Hello and welcome to the Jules Fancast. Today we are joined by another of our ex-management team. We are joined by a man who spent his playing days at Bournemouth, Dover, Welling, Dartford and then of course went to manage on at Welling, achieving promotion, went down the road to Ebbsfleet. He then rocked up at Gillingham as assistant manager under Aidy Pennock. Uh, he then went on to Barrow and now manages the Bangladesh national team. Today, we are joined by former Gillingham assistant manager, Jamie Day. Jamie, thank you ever so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. No problem at all. Jamie, we're going to go right back to the start then. Um, back, well, back to back to 97 where it all started um, at Arsenal. Um, yeah, tell me, tell me what made you get back, what made you get into football and, and yeah, uh, and Arsenal, of course. Yeah, it was a team I supported as a as a young lad. Um, I started Arsenal at nine and just went through the system uh, up until I think it was nineteen. And always wanted to try and play for Arsenal um, as a young lad. And my family, my family all supported Arsenal, so it was sort of a dream yeah. to try and you know go through the whole system and, and break into the first team if I could. Yeah, I mean, certainly around that time. Um, <laughs> there, there, there were some pretty good players, weren't there? Weren't there, Jamie? Um, I mean, also learning under under a manager like Arsene Wenger. Um, yeah, kind of. What was it like being in that environment? Yeah, I mean, uh, Arsene coming. Um, I think when I was sort of seventeen or eighteen, but you know, he changed the whole philosophy of Arsenal Football Club mm. and probably had a big say in how English football changed as well. And um, yeah. You know, he, he tactically was very good. His coaching was very good. He brought in new ideas. He certainly got the best out of the English players that he had and prolonged their career. And like you say, he brought in some fantastic players, you know, in the first team, Bergkamp, Vieira, Petit, you know, Overmars around that time. It was fantastic to watch and train with as well. So, you know, it was a great experience, um, you know, and learning off them players and obviously the coach of Arsenal Wenger stature. Yeah, I mean, like you say there, you yourself being an Arsenal fan, um, do do you obviously him him doing what he did at Arsenal, Arsenal, um, and and being successful throughout all those years, and coming to kind of the end of his period, it, it got kind of stale and quite bitter towards him, didn't it? Uh, some of the Arsenal fans. Do you, do you think obviously you being involved with him um, and and learning off him from day to day? Do you feel do you think it was quite it, it was quite harsh the the way the the way the treat his treatment in the end. Yeah, you know, in football, people want success, and yeah. when they don't get success, regardless of who that person is in charge, then you know everyone uh, wants change or they vent their anger. And I think yeah. you know from from what Arsene did from start to finish was a, was an amazing you know feat to to change a club, and the club yeah. was his. You know, and maybe he did stay an extra season probably too long and I think there probably was change needed yeah, yeah. Um, but then when obviously he did leave you also look at how good he was because you know we, we haven't been able to repli- replicate success that he's had in the past so um, yeah I, I would have liked him to 
maybe have moved upstairs and stayed yeah. at the club in some sort of role. But like you say, I think maybe he felt it was the right time to go, you know, if certain fans weren't happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you moved on uh, onto Bournemouth after after spending uh, two years at Arsenal. Um, you signed for them in in ninety nine. Um, what was it about Bournemouth that was was the pull then? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, at that time, I knew I wasn't going to get in the first team at Arsenal, and Bournemouth were a club that were in League One. They was in the playoffs at the time yeah. uh, when I went to have a chat, and they looked like they had a good chance of going up, which would have been in the Championship. And um, they didn't have loads of money. It was sort of a. Um, a sort of a homely family club which I quite liked and, yeah. and they had some good young players there that had been in a similar situation to me that had been at a, a Premier League club not made the, the first team there and dropped down and sort of been in the first team and played 100 league games so I wanted to try and mm. if I was going to step down try and go to a club that I know I had, I had a chance of playing at mm. and then hopefully try and move on again Yeah, didn't work out like that but that was, <laughs> that was, the, that was the plan you know, of me going to a club like that yeah, I mean, you, you you only played twenty times for for, for Bournemouth. Do, do you look look back on it as a, as a frustrating time there? Because like like you say, you, you, you your choice after Arsenal was you wanted to go to a, to a progressive club. Let's say, yeah. um, was it was it a frustrating period yeah, that you didn't play a, more games? It was a time. It was a time where I probably didn't work as hard as I should have, and I didn't really adapt to yeah. the standard of League One. You know, I was used to playing, you know, at Arsenal where the pitch was like carpets and yeah. it wasn't so aggressive. And then going from that to then it being your um, livelihood job that if you didn't win, a manager could get sacked, you know, it changed. And I didn't adapt well enough and quick enough to that and probably mentally wasn't strong enough to go into a first team at 19 and take that responsibility on and, and you know like I say I didn't adapt quick enough and then found myself on the bench and more often than not around the squad and, and playing you know little bits of games then coming out and not playing again so yeah it was frustrating and like I say partly you know some of that was my own fault Yeah I mean in the summer of 2001 you you decided that you, your next move was, was going to be into the conference um, at, at a local side Dover um, yeah, what was it about Dover that that kind of pulled you pulled you into the non-league? Yeah, I, I, we played Dover um, in the LDV fans, I think, for Bournemouth, and um, I'd spoke to Bill Williams um, when my contract ended, and he was very interested. There was a couple of other clubs in the conference at the time, but Dover looked the most professional one yeah. out of the clubs that I had the opportunity to go to. I went and looked at the stadium; it was a nice ground. They were trying to do things properly. They was in the conference at the time. So, um, you know, the manager at the time was Gary Bellamy because Bill had left and he sort of sold, you know, a good dream that they was trying to go back to full-time and, and get into the league. And, you know, that was the one that appealed the most to me. And I knew they had quite a good fan base as well. So I knew yeah. if I would go there, there would be a 1,000 plus. I think there was 2,000 that time around, that sort of gate. So it was something that I thought, yeah, I, I want to do. And it was a club that, you know, I thought would be the right place to go to. Yeah, I mean, you you, you spent around about th- uh, between two thousand one and two thousand four at Dover, um, playing sixty odd times for them, um, which included um, a, an FA Cup run, um, reaching the first round proper, losing to to Oxford. Yeah, speak a little bit about about kind of your summary over the three years at Dover and and what was it like 
for the FA Cup run because obviously being in the FA Cup for for a club like Dover and getting to the first round is is big, big for the fan base. Uh, I mean, playing playing those sort of sides and and financially as well, isn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, I, I really enjoyed Dover. It was um, a good club, like I say, good fan base. I had probably out of the three years, I had two good years there. Yeah. Um, and you know we had some good memories. So I've got some good memories of, of being there. Obviously the cup cup run being one of them. You know it was a really good day. Like you say for lower league clubs. You know I think there was four or five thousand watching. It generates a lot of money. It helps the club progress. And you know cup runs are an important part of non league teams. So yeah. you know Clive Walker was there for a period of time, which I really enjoyed playing for him. You know I still speak to now and someone that you know sort of got me playing again in conference and, you know, uh, enjoying playing football again. Yeah, was that important for you? Uh, obviously, you you look back just before Dover and you look at the, the spells at Arsenal and Bournemouth. Was it important that your next move after those two clubs, that you had to go to somewhere that you was going to go and play football and enjoy yourself again? Yeah, that's it. You know, And if you enjoy playing football, then obviously you play better. So... Uh, you know, for me, I had to go to a club where I felt that um, I was going to play. And if I didn't play very well in periods, I was still hopefully be in the team and people would, you know, trust and believe in me and then keep playing and they'd get rewards from, from that. And, yeah. you know, going to Dover, you know, I did play on a regular basis and that gave me then the confidence to, you know, believe in myself again and enjoy my football. Yeah. I mean, I. Of course, then then your next move come about. Um, it was your first spell in two thousand and four uh, at Welling. Of course, you you go on to play for Welling and and manage them later on in your career. Um, but your first spell was in two thousand and four. Um, yeah, what was it about Welling that that kind of pulled you away from Dover at the time? Yeah, a few a few of the Dover lads um, at the time went to Welling. Um, yeah. Paul Parker was in charge, and obviously, um, you know, I knew Paul had played for England and thought it would be a, a good move to go and uh, learn off someone that had played so high in the Premier League and internationally. So, you know, it was it's a club that's close to, to where I live. It was around the corner from my house and uh, Paul was the manager. So I felt that I knew some of the players already there. You know, they were trying to do uh, achieve a good position in the league in the following in year in the Conference South. So I felt that it was the right time to go and um, play for, for my local team. Yeah, I mean, you went on to play eighty nine, uh, eight nine times for, for the first spell at Welling. Um, then, then, then you went on loan to Greys. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what was it? What was it about? Yeah, kind of sum up that 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 three year period bet- between Welling and 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 why was the move move to to Greys a kind of a, a pull away from the club? Yeah, I mean, like again, I had three good years at, at Welling. Um... You know, really enjoyed the club. It's it's uh, got great owners in in Barry and Barry Hobbins. You know, I I had a good relationship with Graham as well, who's the owner yeah. there. They got on really well with supporters. Um, in, enjoyed my football there. You know, so um, you know when you enjoy somewhere, you spend you know two three seasons at a club and had a really good time there. Um, but Gray's. Um, made an offer and it was full time at the time okay. when it was only part time and I wanted to go back to 
trying to play full-time football again. They was in the conference. Yeah. They had some good players. Um, you know, I think they'd finished in the playoffs the year before and might have got into the trophy final and Justin Edinburgh had taken over. Wow. And, um, yeah, I felt it was it was a local team. I didn't have to move too far. It was full-time and something that really appealed to me and, and I wanted to try and give it a go at being a full-time footballer again. Yeah, I mean... You, you literally just mentioned an ex Jules manager in, in Justin. Um, yeah. Of course, late Justin now. Um, yeah. yeah, what was it like? Uh, what was it like? Because that, that must have been right at the start of Justin's manager, managerial career. Um, yeah. yeah, what was it What was it like kind of, obviously I know you only went on and played seven times for Grace, but what was it like working under Justin and what sort of guy was he? Yeah, I mean, Justin was a um, good guy. I, I got on well with Justin um, you know he was open honest manager I think he was obviously starting out yes. his managerial career so he wasn't the finished article when we was there but someone I, I got on with uh, I think looking back um, he probably had some influences from the owner at the time yeah. uh, within the squad which um, you know happens in football but I, I you know I, I had he just over a year there and I went out on loan. But in that year I didn't I never had a problem with Justin. He was he was fine. He was good with me, treated me well and you know, I was happy to play for, for him at Grays. Yeah, I mean you literally just mentioned there um that he went out on loan. Uh, you went out on loan um to, to to Eastbourne and haven't. Um was it a case that you need, you just need to to go and get game time? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't figuring um at Grays, you know, I had a slight issue with the chairman and yeah. was training on my own at the time. So, you know, for me, it was better that I wasn't at the club and yeah. I went on loan to Eastbourne and haven't, you know, uh, both clubs that I'd played against before in the, in the Conference South. So I knew what they were about and their managers at the time, you know, enjoyed getting out for a couple of months at, at both clubs and um, got me back playing again. And then obviously I knew that my contract was coming to an end of the second year so I had to start looking at other options that I had available yeah I mean one of the options that you did have come along in 2008 which was Dartford um, you come back to Kent um, yeah what was it of course certainly at Conference South level Dartford Dartford are definitely one of the biggest biggest clubs at, at that level um, yeah what was it about Dartford that, that was the pull yeah, my, my dad is friends with Tony Berman. They'd known each other for, for a very long time. And Tony said, look, why don't you come down and watch a game? Yeah. We've got a brand new stadium. We're trying to... I think I was in the Roman Premier at the time. And, you know, they said they want to get in the conference south, want to get in the conference. So I went and watched the game. It was against Dover on a Tuesday night and it was like 2,500 there. It was great atmosphere, great game. Yeah. They had some good players at the time that probably were better than the Ryman Premier. And it sort of fitted that there was a club that were trying to push on and had facilities to be able to do that. Uh, and yeah, I thought, you know what, I, I hadn't played at Ryman Premier level before, but with the, the structure they had in place, I felt it was right to drop down to the Ryman to try and get back up and help Dartford try and achieve that. I mean, yeah, you, you spent a year at Dartford, but... Uh, well in come calling again. <laughs> um, in, in, you couldn't stay away from the place, could you? Um, yeah, I mean, in 2009, you, you, you returned to Welling. Uh, you correct me if I'm wrong here, Jamie. Um, you, re, you returned to Welling in 2009 as player manager. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, went going on to play 114 times. I mean, that was a 
that was a slightly different role um, going in as player manager. How did how did the, the that role come about, and and why why was it why was it player manager and, and not just player? Yeah, well, I'd always wanted to be a coach. You know, from when I, when I stepped out of professional game at twenty two, wherever it was, I yeah. started to get on coaching badges. I knew I wanted to coach and be a manager later on. Um, and uh, I think it was Andy Ford got sacked at Welling, and I knew Barry. Um, obviously from playing there before and I spoke to him and said look I'll be very interested if you're looking for a young manager obviously I still want to play so I, want, I would like to be player manager um, I think I was 29 so we had a chat and he said look you know they was in the conference half at the time he said yeah we know we've known you now for three or four years we know your character we know what you like we know yeah. that you worked for Charlton uh, as a coach at the time so um you know, it it made sense. I, I was happy to do that, and it was a good sort of starting point for me. You know, I was very lucky in the fact that I had Barry Ashby and Dean Frost as staff as well that could yeah. help me make the cross from being, you know, um, player manager. Um, you know, and they was very very good in in letting me go in a play and making decisions when I was playing. So it, it was the right thing for me to do to step forward into management and still be able to play at the same time. I mean, if if Jules fans, uh, well, Jules fan listening to this will notice the little bit of a Jules, li- Jules link there. Um, Barry Ashby, um, of course, of course, ex Jules. Um, yeah, what was what was Barry like? Uh, I mean, ha- as one of your assistants. Um, yeah, yeah. What what did yeah, you take Barry, take Barry off him? He was. Um, I think he he come on my second spell. I think at Welling or, where, or first spell. He come to to Welling as a player to sort of see out his. Uh, career. I think yeah. AD was in charge at the time, yeah. and uh, I got to know Ash through that, and we kept in contact. And you know, with Ash's experience of playing, um, I think he had a brief spell managing at Margate, but he wanted to be a number two. So um, for me, it was good that I, someone I could trust, someone who knew football, someone that had some contacts high up if we needed it, yeah. but could also see the game from the side while I was playing and be able to, you know, pick things out. Um, and I could trust his judgment, and and Dean was the same. Dean done a bit more coaching than Ash, yeah. um, you know, in training. But they were both very good in seeing things in the game when I was playing, and also very good at giving advice. And you know, didn't always agree with me. If if I, you know, said something I didn't agree with, they they were open and, and honest to say no, we don't agree with that, and then we would look at it again. So we had a very good yeah. relationship that you know works very well. Yeah, you just mentioned there, Jamie, that obviously you you first spell it. At Wellin, I mean, you, sorry, your your player manager spell at Wellin was that at the time you were playing. Um, was it important that you kind of, when you were playing, you were just kind of focusing on playing? Because player managers of uh, at that time, um, that there were there were a few round, a few around, and and sometimes player managers get caught up in kind of two roles while while they're on the pitch they're kind of not focusing on yeah. their game and focusing on the team was it important at the time that when you were playing you were kind of just focusing on on your own game yeah I felt that especially at the start I had to make sure that I was playing well enough to play in the team yeah and other players couldn't say oh he's only playing because he's the manager so when I first took that role up it was important I just had to focus on playing and and let Ash and uh, Frosty make some judgments when they when they needed to. Yeah. I think as you get more experienced, I then sort of forgot about me playing and and just try to help other players through the game and give them advice. And yeah. 
you know, I was lucky enough that when, obviously, you are a manager, if you make a mistake, you can get away with it. <laughs> um, but, again, I think that also comes from me trusting people on the side that I can let them get on with the job, and that obviously helped me massively. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's speak about kind of the, the first the first year or so. Um, I mean, that the, the start of the... Yeah, I mean, the 2010-11 the and the 2011-12, you, you led well in to to two to two playoff finishes yeah. um of course they ended in disappointment but yeah. i mean that's that is not about going for for your for your first kind of managerial experience is it no we we done we had enough time to be able to get the right players in that we needed over you know two or three years and in fairness, we inherited a fairly good side that just probably was a bit low on confidence and just needed some new ideas and just maybe a bit of a boost. And yeah. we managed to keep most of them players. Like you say, we, we lost in the playoff final to, to Dartford, which was disappointing. But, yeah. you know, I think over them three years, we'd slowly built up a good enough squad. of. We didn't make too many changes, just one or two each year. And, um, you know, we, we wanted to go up, obviously, when the, the year that we lost in the final. But, you know, we were still prepared for the next season and obviously pleased with how we performed, you know, the season after. I mean, yeah, it's some they do, they do say first-time lucky, don't they? Yeah. Um, because, yeah, the following campaign, you not only... I mean, you completely skipped the playoffs, you went up as, as champions. Um, that must have been one hell of a year for, for, <laughs> for, for Welling and, and, and really happy for you to, 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 get, to get them back into the Conference National. Yeah, I mean, we, that year we didn't start the season very well. I think we was sort of eighth or ninth, you know, in October, um, and and then from from then on we went on a run of winning thirteen games in a row, which is is a league record, and got us right back into contention. And we just had a squad of players that knew how to win games and were very consistent, you know. And if we lost, they they bounced back and we got a result. So, you know, as a coach and as a coaching staff, we were we was delighted because. There's loads of managers, you know, at every level that don't ever win anything, and they're good managers. And we were lucky enough to be able to to win a championship over a course of a season. So, you know, I, I always look back at that as very fond memories. And you know, for us, it was a fantastic achievement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, for, yeah, following uh, a five year spell, um, a charge of Welling in the end. Um, you went, you went back to the Conference South, um, and you were appointed the, the, the manager of Ebb's Fleet. Um, yeah, I mean, after that such successful time at Welling, what was it about Ebb's Fleet that kind of pulled you, pulled you away back down to the Conference South? Yeah, I just I felt at Welling we we was in the Conference, but we was always, you know, we had a budget and we was part time that was near the bottom of the table, and I just felt that. You know, every year we were just doing enough to to stay in the conference. And yeah. um, Ebbsfleet, as we all know at that time, when I went there, had a big budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was very professional. They were training free mornings. Yeah. They was getting a new stadium built. So there was a lot of draws to go into uh, Ebbsfleet, even though it was a drop down. I felt that if I was to get it right, then you had potential to go you know, into the conference and further yeah. um, with the backing that he had at that time. So it was very difficult because, you know, I loved being at Welling. I had a free reign to do what I wanted to do. You know, and it was never questioned. I'd just let me do my job. And then, 
um, you know, it's very tough to leave that and go into something different that you don't really know anything about. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like you said that the ambition at Ebbsfleet was kind of always getting to the football league. We had we had Danny Kedwell on here um, a couple of weeks back, and of of course, Ked's played under you. Um, yeah. at Ebbsfleet was was that always the ambition that when you brought in because the, the the players that you were bringing in were were football league players really, um, yeah. and and was that the kind of the ambition was that. Not only are we not going to stay in the conference South for very long, we're going to we're going to go through the national league, and we are going to get to the football league. Yeah, I mean, when I I was at Epsleet for a, a three or four weeks, and the chairman, you know, wanted a meeting and said, "Look, you know, these players that we've had them for sixteen months, they're not they're not good enough to get us promoted." Yeah, um, I wanted to go and get league players that can carry us out of this league and obviously compete in the conference so we've got a squad that's ready to go into the conference so yeah, wow. you know I, I I gave them a list of players I said you know at the time look the problem we may have with getting these league players not Keds really because I think Keds was playing at the time but I said if we're going to get league players some of these players are not going to be playing at the minute so when they come to us at this stage of the season it might take a bit of time you know to yeah. get up to speed Yeah, we said no problem so the aim was to go and get players that potentially could get us out, adjust to the South quickly and then try and get us out of the conference. And that's what we tried to do. You know, um, you know, I, I knew Keds from Welling, so that helped in getting him to, to Ebbsfleet and obviously he'd done very well at Ebbsfleet since then. Um, you know, but we had Matt Fish as well and yeah. uh, we tried to get players that sort of tried to fit the style of... Um, playing in the league and being able to drop out and adapt quickly, but it didn't quite work the way that we wanted it to. And we ran into a number of issues and then obviously, you know, um, that led to me getting sacked. Yeah. I mean, like you say there, was it, was it a case that, was it, was it a case that obviously the the chairman at the time wanted, wanted, wanted all these kind of football league players that, that, and, and he kind of saw it as, is that that was his way of of getting getting Emsley up into the football league? Was it a case that those players then didn't really fit what what the kind of the national league? Because it's easy for for a football league player to to kind of drop down and and start playing. But the, from my experience of watching it, and you might tell me if I'm diff, different, but it's ve- the football league and the conference are, are, are two very very different and yeah. and sometimes some players fit some players and, and do you think that's what happened at Ipswich? Yeah, I think you know I, I said many times you know uh, looking back I, I should have just kept the players that we had yeah. until the end of the season. You know, at Welling, like I said, we kept the players. We brought in one or two, and that was a process that we'd always used, and we completely changed that and you know brought in twelve new players and and had the old players still at the club, which didn't help. It was no fault of any players. It was just that was the situation they'd been put in. Yeah. And like you say, I think some players that dropped out from the league adapted, you know, Keds adapted well. And then there was other players that it took time for them to adjust. Like you say, it's a different type of football. Pitches yeah. are different. Um, they then became a team that everyone wanted to beat every week. Yeah. And people would raise their game against these players. And... You know, our players had to play an eight, nine out of ten every week because other teams were raising their game. And when lads have come out of the league and you were asking them to adjust straight away, it was always going to take time. But, you know, um, we didn't really get that time to be able for them to adjust. I mean, you know, if 
if you look the year after they got into the playoffs with the same players. So um, they probably just needed that that period of time to adjust. But you know, we didn't get that time to do that. Yeah, I mean, after 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 you you left Ipswich. You then linked up with, I think, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was this was the first time that you linked up, linked up with AD um, yeah. in in 2015. Um, you become the assistant manager at, at Forest Green. Um, yeah, how how did it come about? And 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 yeah, tell me about the the first time you linked up with AD. Yeah, so obviously I played for AD at Welling, and yeah. I really enjoyed playing for him. It was someone that um, you know you wanted to play for. He made, he made you feel special. That. You wanted to go out and you wanted to try and get three points and uh, work as hard as you can for him. That was how he come across. And we'd always kept in touch after I left. Um, and obviously I got sacked from, from uh, Ebsfleet and he said to me, look, why don't you come down to Forest Green? It's a lovely club. It's full-time. It's in a lovely part of the country. Come and be assistant manager for me. Help me out. Do some coaching for me. And just step out of having to deal with chairman and players and just have a break and just concentrate on coaching yeah. and at the time that fitted it was like I say it was a really lovely place and a really lovely club and I really enjoyed being at Forest Green uh, and working with AD you know we get on well together we trust each other yeah. you know I'll, I'll give him my opinion and he'll sometimes say yes sometimes say no and no issues he trusts me and I trust him so it works very well yeah I mean you were highly successful at Forest Green correct if I'm wrong um, I mean yeah, you. I think um, just before AD had come to come to Jills in the end, um, he got me into the playoffs, didn't he? Um, yeah, he done very well. If, you know, I, I don't know what happened at Forest Green. If I'm honest, yeah. I know the first year we got in the playoffs. The second year we was top. Yeah. You know, for majority of the season, and Cheltenham come and picked us. You know, near the end. Yeah. And just before the playoffs, uh, AD got sacked, and I, I I genuinely don't know why he got sacked. Whether there was an argument. I mean, the chairman at Forest Green said he just felt that AD wasn't going to get us promoted. I think he has actually come out and said that. That yeah. That he, he. I think he did come out and say. I. I think he woke up one morning and just thought, no, you know what? He's not the man to lead us, which was quite weird. Yeah, it's it's very strange. And I remember when AD rung me and, and said he'd been sacked because you know people who know AD know that he likes a joke and he messes about. And when he rang me, I thought he was joking. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't Oh, it hadn't even crossed my mind that there was any chance of aid getting sacked, yeah. and I just couldn't believe it when it happened. And um, yeah, we was we was both gutted because we wanted to get in. We felt we could get promoted. We felt we had a squad good enough and yeah. wanted the chance to do that because we'd done really well in that season. But you know, football was about people having opinions, and, and obviously him being an, the owner, he wanted to to go with someone else to lead him into the playoffs. So we had to accept that and, and move on. Yeah, I mean, that that's when you then um, step back into number one role. Um, yeah. You went to Braintree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was it about Braintree that to, that kind of pulled you away? Did you, did you then feel, once you've had that spell at Forest Green, did you then feel that you kind of wanted to be the main man again? Yeah, well, I think with, with Braintree... Before I went to Forest Green, they offered me the manager's job before Danny Cowley. Yeah. And I'd watched them play, and they had a good bunch of players that uh, knew the conference and, um, you know, had potential to, to get higher up the league. And I, I didn't want to go back into magic time, so I went to Forest Green. And then they called me back up and said, look, the manager's job's available. Come and have a chat. And, you know, looking back, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have took that job. Really? Um, 
I spoke to Danny Cowley yeah. before I met Braintree, and he said, you know, don't don't take that job. Wow. Uh, all, the, all the players are leaving. Um, they got into the playoffs the year before. Everyone, every one of them players had had offers to go elsewhere. He said, you're going to go to a club that basically is going to have no players there, and you're going to have not a great budget to build a new a new squad. But you know, at the time, I didn't really have loads of options available. Yeah, I knew as everyone probably does in management, thought that they could build a new squad very yeah. quickly and be all right. And I got there and it just, if I'm honest, it was it was a mess. We just really? we didn't have a, a great budget. I remember we went to start pre-season and the first pre-season came against Gillingham, I think, and it got called off because the ground wasn't ready. So what? all the pre-season games got called off. We had no pre-season really. We had to like pick teams that hadn't managed to get a game, but they was all like, Kent League standard, Essex League standard, and we just, it was a disaster. And then after 10 games, you know, said, oh, we're not going in the right direction, which in a way it done me a favour because I wasn't enjoying it. No. You know, it was it was hard work. Um, but, you know, like I say, in, in football, you have experiences and yeah. I've, I've learned now in the future that I wouldn't just take a job if there's one available. No, that's the thing. You, you, you've kind of looked back looked back at that as, as much as it was, wasn't a great time, you've flipped it into a positive and yeah and kind of realized that yeah if that situation comes again no way <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly that's it and that's that's you only learn from that by putting yourself in them situations yeah i mean like, like i said earlier in in the podcast that you couldn't stay away from the place could you because um <laughs> oh yeah where, you went back to welling um yeah. you, you you returned as the first team coach this this time yeah. um eventually you would step step up to to replace Mark, Mark Goldberg as manager. Um, was it a case that you you felt that where uh, well in it was a place that you loved and you and you kind of had to get that love back for the game? Yeah, I just uh, well in I just feel comfortable. I feel yeah. in that environment. I know everyone. Uh, I feel at ease. I feel that I can just you know walk in there. Even now, I can walk into the club. It's no problem. I speak to everyone. Everyone speaks to me. I just like I say, it's just a sort of a safety catch. I think. Uh, where I'd been fairly successful there, I just feel at home. So yeah. Mark, I spoke to Mark and he said, look, you know, we're struggling at the minute. I think that was fourth and bottom in the south. And Mark was the, the manager at the time. He said, can you come in and just, you know, take a little bit of training and just give me some uh, help on the side? And then he would do it for four or five games and then he would step out and let me take over. So I said, look, yeah, no problem. I know, you know, like I say, the club, I know mm. the owners as well. So it was perfect for me and... You know that that's what happens. Mark done four or five games, and then he said, "Right, there you go." And then um, I was allowed to bring AD in as director of football. So I spoke to AD. AD said, "Yeah, look, I'm not doing anything. I'll come in and just oversee it. And if you need me, you can bounce some ideas off me. If not, I'll just sit on the side and and you know give any advice needed." So that was good for me. I could bounce some ideas off AD if I needed to. And I think we had seven games as management. I think we done fairly well one all seven and yep. then obviously AIDS got the call and then he did it was time to move on it was it was um yeah obviously we're at a point now that um the the, the call comes the, the the football league comes um and and Jill's come calling of course they call for they call for AD first um yeah. yeah tell me tell me how how the how the move come about to Gillingham um and 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 I, I presume the the call was from from AD himself, was it? 
Yeah, so like I say, we just I think we played on the Saturday and and then Aid rung me on the Monday or Tuesday and said, Look, there might be a chance of uh him getting a job at Gillingham. Justin had, had left. Yeah. And obviously Aid was a fan's favourite uh when he played there. Mm-hmm. So he uh met the chairman and then called and, and said, Look, I think I've got the job. Yeah. Can you come up to to Gillingham to have a chat uh with the chairman and just see if we can get you and uh, at the time Steve Lovell had to be like on the coaching staff as well with me and Aid so yeah. we all got together and met the chairman and then agreed um, a contract till the end of the season uh, and then obviously things went from there yeah do you remember do you kind of remember your first day at, at, at the football club or was it kind of a little bit of a blur yeah, I remember it because Aid Aid does it to me all the time. I remember we was <laughs> was going to training and he said, Right, you've got sixteen players and obviously you want to make an impression. Yeah. You know, it's the first time that I've coached league players. Yeah. So I wanna make a good effort and an impression on them and there were some good players there at the time and I remember I yeah. set up all this session, took me ages to set it up. <laughs> And then it was for like 16 players and they come over and it was like 24 players. Whoa. And they literally had like 30 seconds to change the whole session to adapt to the 24 players. And I remember thinking, oh, I can't believe you're doing this to me. But he's like that. He's like that. He'll just, you know, he'll say a number of how many people are training and it won't be that number. So I got used to it. Yeah. When you're at conference and you're in a comfort sort of zone, you don't mind, you can adapt quickly. And I just remember thinking, oh, no, I've got Paul Koncheski coming over. <laughs> all these players coming over, Josh Wright. And then I'm thinking, please don't mess this up. Don't muck it up in the first day. Because obviously that will set an impression from how you go on. Of course, yeah. Luckily, it was okay. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. But I just remember that my first day, I just was, in a way, I was glad that it was over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of speak about... Um, Kind of Paul Konjeski coming over, Josh Wright coming over. You then obviously Max Amer who's still there, um, Stuart Nelson. Um, we could go on, couldn't we? Uh, yeah. Scott Wagstar, very very experienced pros. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of what was it like working with with th- those kind of characters? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, um, I think I found obviously. The higher you step up, the less you have to keep repeating yourself as a coach. Yeah. You know, you normally can tell these players once and they get it. You don't really yeah. have to show them too much. They understand because some of them have played higher and obviously with better coaches and, you know, in better yeah. environments. So for me, it was, I really enjoyed it. You know, I could say the first probably couple of weeks, you're a little bit nervous because you don't want to, no. you know, um, have sessions that, don't go to plan and, and everyone has them sessions over but when you first starting at a club and especially the first time in a league club you want to make everything perfect so yeah, yeah it was a little bit nerve wracking but once you get to know the players and they get to know me and you know they know what character I'm like and what characters they're like then it's fine it's just that initial yeah. bit where you're a little bit nervous but like I say I enjoyed working with with players of that quality and uh, obviously you know make sure sessions better when they're performing in them yeah, I mean, um, of course, your 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 debut game um, as management was was Oldham away. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was it? What was it kind of kind of like? Because um, it was your first job in job in the football league. Um, yeah. What was it kind of like building building up to your first game and and all the expectation around it? Yeah, I mean, like, as any management team, you want to get off to a good start, and I think in the week 
we trained well. I'd, I'd enjoyed the training. You know, obviously going full time, you go back to going to hotels on a Friday and yeah. you know all that, which I didn't mind because I sort of missed that going back into part time football. So I was really looking forward to it. Um, you know, excited and obviously after the game we lost one 0 it was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. I think they scored a free kick, but it was a sort of nothing game and we should have got a draw uh, from it, but. Like I say, you want to start on a positive, and then it's all you brought you back down to earth. That right, you know, we've got a, a job on our hands here, and, and we need to up, up and raise our game to get out of the situation of obviously the target was to stay up and not get caught in a relegation battle. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the the target obviously um, wasn't to get caught in a relegation battle. Um, unfortunately, it kind of went the way that we yeah. didn't really want it to. Um, yeah, what? Go on, Jamie. I mean, as much as you can, um, yeah. kind of. Yeah, could, can you tell me kind of why? And you think, in your opinion, it it went the way it did? Yeah, I think, especially that season. I think there was some players in the dressing room that uh, were sort of in charge of the dressing room and, okay. and, and ran it, and yeah. uh, a tried to break that up which I, th- I feel was the right thing to do really you know, there was some players there that um, I don't think were there for the best interests of the club to try and go forward okay. you know aid, aid was about hard working players that threw their bodies on the line that wore their heart on their sleeves for the for the club for the fans yeah. and you know I think he came into it and felt that we had some players that <clears throat> didn't fit how Aid wanted to play and didn't fit what Aid was about so we okay. tried to, to change it uh, slowly yep. and get some of the players out that didn't fit that. I think it became, um, you know, a bit of an issue. I think that looking back, we, we tried to change it um, quickly that we got them in on a Sunday, which they hadn't done before. Okay. And sometimes it goes either way. It can either rock the boat a little bit or people buy into it and they go up like, on Sunday for a reason because of Saturday um Call down on a Sunday, or for other reasons, didn't play very well. And I think some players just at that time see it as a punishment. Yeah. And some players rebelled a little bit. Did you all, some... did you always do a Sunday, whether whatever the um, result? Not always, but I think we done. Uh, looking back, if I remember rightly, we done quite a few Sundays at the start. Okay. And I think Aid was just trying to stamp his authority and just sort of let everyone know that he was in charge and yeah. this is how things were going to be done. It was going to be more perfect, try and be a bit more professional than he thought, than we thought it was before. Okay. And some players bought into it and some didn't. And the ones that didn't, we tried to slowly edge out. Yeah. But I think that also affected performances as well, because we had some good performances under aid and we had some performances that were poor as well, you know, during that time. Yeah. And, um, I think it was very up and down. And, and like you say, we, we got caught up in a relegation battle and, We've just done enough in the end to to get through it. Yeah, I mean, we'll speak about a kind of a couple of memorable games that yep. that you go back to. I mean, one of them being a Josh Wright hat trick <laughs> from yes. the penalty spot. That was a little bit mental, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, that that game was. You know, I'd always remember that game. I think we was two down. We was. And, yeah. Yeah, and to be fair, we were. The game was sort of dead, and we was out of it. And then all of a sudden, in the space of seven or eight minutes, yeah. To, to change the game completely around. It was an unbelievable, yeah. you know, experience. And, um, you know, a game I'll never forget. 
you know, for as, as long as I live, for that, that seven minutes oh, of no. how an atmosphere and a ground can change. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just looking at results here, I mean, kind of, we we beat we beat Scunthorpe, um, then then obviously the, the Tuesday night, we were kind of, yeah, taken apart by Bolton. Yeah, we got bullied by Bolton. I, I remember being in the dressing room and I looked at our team, I looked at Bolton's team and, Bolton's players were like six foot four, six foot five, massive, <laughs> strong men. And I looked at ours, and no disrespect to our players at the time, but we looked very small, yeah. very timid. And you could see it was just, it was men against boys before we'd even gone out in the dressing room. And, really? And I think it was four nil or five nil, I can't remember. Four, four. But yeah, yeah and, it, and it could have been more, if yeah. we're honest. And yeah. it was just one of the games where the difference and the level was massive. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at the results here, and kind of we. we skip a couple of games and we went to MK and I think correct if I'm wrong we kind of we pulled that back didn't we we, we were yeah. we were we were either 2 up 2 down um and and kind of ended up losing it um yeah. we then we then drew with Millwall um I mean to be honest in my time I mean you're probably going to remember this game the Bristol Rovers game the br- yes. kind of the, the yeah. brilliance of Cody McDonald kind of yeah. Really, if you think about it, kept us in the league, didn't it? Yeah. Um, kept us in League One, should I say? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. That that Bristol Rovers game was was a bit mental at Priestfield, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, there was a couple of games like that where we were sort of out of it and then come back and showed a bit of character to win the game. I think. Yeah. You know, when I look back at that season. We drew too many games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Through that period, and if we would have, you know, won three or four of them games that we drew, it, it would have been would have been safe and it'd been completely different but yeah. you know it's about taking chances and winning games and like you say we we drew too many and then we would lose a couple and then we'd get a win we never got a consistent run going no. where we got two three four games wins and then we lost one it was, was that frustrating jamie that the side couldn't do that yeah i think because we showed at times that we can compete in league one and, and they were probably better than yeah. the league position suggested but we just didn't have consistency and you know whether whether it was change trying to change personnel and people you know coming in and out and people not sort of uh reaching the levels every week you know yeah. it was because say one week you'd think right well, we've cracked it now everyone's you know knows what you're doing and then the next week we'd lose two or three nil and he just it'll bring you back again and we never got started it was always stop start yeah yeah i mean we'll speak about that final day um kind of uh, yeah I was there um I think for the majority of it bawling my eyes out <laughs> um it was it was a nerve wracker um kind of yeah what was what was the build up like um yeah was it was it kind of nerves among the management team as well yeah we well, we was trying to just play it down and say look just go out and play your game we know that we're good enough if if yeah. you perform won't be a problem. I think we had to uh, just better Port Vale or, or the same. Uh, I think obviously playing against Justin yes. as well, which didn't probably help the day. Not because anything against Justin or anything like that, but being an old manager yeah. and Aiden coming in after replacing him, I think that was difficult for us as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember, right, I remember Josh right missing a penalty early on. Was it kind of here we go? <laughs> Yeah, when that happens, you know, and Josh had been pretty consistent. Um, yeah, been brilliant. Yeah, and you know, we, we, when he's up there, you expect him to score, and he didn't. And then it was edgy all game. And obviously, you know, as a staff, we're keeping an eye on Port Vale result, and 
obviously not trying to um, bring negativity to the players on the pitch. No. And obviously when the game finished, Paul Val was still going on and we're not sure what's happening. And it was it was a long four or five minutes waiting for that Paul Val game to finish yeah. and for us to realise that we obviously stayed up and everyone was, you know, delighted in the dressing room and was all pleased that we'd obviously stayed up but in the same time disappointed that we'd obviously got dragged into it as well because we thought we could do better than that that's what I mean like you say um about kind of yeah ultimately we are you you can kind of look in it look it look at any way you want whether 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 it was it was good bad whatever but you kept us in league one um was yeah was it do you do you look kind of look back at that that kind of spell between January and and May uh, 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 kind of that yeah we should never have got to that position yeah I think you know when when we come in and uh, Chairman said look just don't want to go down I think me and they both looked at it and said oh, we ain't, won't get caught up in that I think we've got enough here you know yeah. we'll be fine and obviously yeah. we did get caught up in it which was disappointing for us because you know we didn't want to didn't want to do that No. and then obviously when the whistle goes you know we're in a way, we said, "Well, we've got brought in to do that, and yep. we've done it. But now, obviously, we want to try and improve next year, and and um, you know, start afresh with players that Aid wanted to bring in. He had the summer yep. to be able to do that yep. if he was given the job. Obviously, we didn't know if he was going to get the job after Northampton game, but yep. um, you know, we knew that if that was the case, then we had the summer to be able to do pre-season and stuff like that, and you know, really homing on what we wanted to achieve the following year. Yeah, I mean." Um... Yeah, you you talk about um, you didn't know before you got the job. It was it was a long time, wasn't it? Until until finally uh, yourself and and AD were were reappointed as such because um, obviously your contracts were up and and it was a new contract. Um, yeah, ha- yeah, it was it was a long long wait, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. If I'm honest, I think it wasn't the greatest decision from the club to leave it so long. Um, yeah. You know, Aid uh, spoke to the chairman after the Northampton game and, and chairman couldn't give Aid an answer. Really? And I felt at the time that was really disappointing and disrespectful to Aidy. Yeah. And, you know, if... Obviously, we, we you hear things and we knew that he'd offered the job to someone else. Yeah. You know, um, and we was all disappointed with that and I felt that that was out of order for that time. Yeah. But Aid being the person that he is, you know, worked all through that summer, not knowing if he was going to get the job or not, on trying to speak to players, speaking to the players that were at the club. Yeah. You know, he was still working every day of the week for that club, even though he didn't know what was happening and people wasn't being fair on whether he got the job or not. Yeah. And that just that's credit to Aid because I don't think a lot of people have done that. You know, yeah, do you, do, you, do you look back at that and think, why, AD, why did, why did you bother? Yeah, I, I don't think I, you know, I don't think I would have put the effort in that AD did. No. But by the way he was treated, yeah. but AD loved Gillingham. Yeah, you yeah. Know, he loved he loved his fans. He loves the club. Yeah. You know, and for him that's his club, yeah. and he didn't want to let the club down. No. And he knew that if he walked away, that he he would have a part in letting the club down. So for him. It was no. I'm going to continue though. It's my job, and I'm going to give a hundred percent until I'm told differently. Yeah. And you know, I can't praise Aid highly enough for doing that because I said I wouldn't have put myself in that situation. But eventually, you know, the chairman spoke to Aid and said, "Okay, you know, we can offer you the job." And then 
we had a chat and um you know aid aid had three lists of players that he wanted list a list b and list c and aid was told you can't have list a or list b you can only have list c what was i know without diving into it too much jamie but yeah. what was kind of the caliber of players on list a as such so a would have been championship players yeah. that either you know um would be possibly released or available that are played at a higher level some premier young premier league players that you know played in the premier league but yeah. hadn't quite done it so and that is that the squad that you and AD wanted to build off list a that, yeah that was the squad that if you could have said right there's the budget that's what we're going to we want squad a yeah. and that was what we'd had with obviously some of the players that we wanted to keep yeah we knew that squad a you're not going to get you know a lot of them players but we was hoping that worst case we'd get two or three and then we'd focus on you know uh squad b which, which would be yeah. you know some good league one players okay that fitted, you know, in higher League One players and some players that we'd seen throughout the course of the season that we wanted. What, and that had been there, done it? Yeah, there were some lads at Southend that we liked at the time. There were some other lads, you know, Bradford and Sheffield United and all them that we looked at and gone, right, yep, that's Group B. And then their Group C was lower league, League Two, lower League One, players that might be struggling to get a club that weren't going to cost a lot. And unfortunately, at that time we was only allowed to really go for Group C. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, correct if I'm wrong, that was the... I mean, yeah, because Tom, Thomas... Did Thomas arrive the year before? No, so we got Tom Eves, we got Thomas Holy. Yeah, you know, that was so, it. So when I, when I look back, you know, for the budget... that I mean, I, I don't deal with a budget. No. Nope. Obviously, that's the manager's job, but obviously me and Aid speak, and, you know, to, Tom Eves was at Yeovil. You know, yeah. and he had, wasn't even four goals like, in like forty games, wasn't it? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And you know, to get Tom Eaves in and go on and produce what he's done, Alex Thomas Lacey, Alex Lacey, Gab Saguani. Yeah. You know, and all these players were basically freebies. Yeah. You know that were not costing a lot of money. No. Nope. And um, you know, some of them come in and, and hit the ground running, done very well. Yeah. And you know, um, it would it would have been nice to have got a bigger budget, but I. Uh, was it was did was it Josh Parker there? You've been yeah, Josh Parker. Yeah, went on to Charlton. Yeah, Liam Nash. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Nash, we got from I think Malden and Tiptree. Yeah. So um, I, I just I felt that I've never said this to Aid, but I felt that at the time we probably didn't get the budget that we wanted because yeah. the chairman wasn't sure whether he wanted us there or not. Really, that's just my personal. Do you think opinion. that was? Because obviously there was a lot of talk in that summer that uh, some of the fans had seen what had happened between January and May and gone, no, 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 we have to have a new management here. Do you think that kind of the fans put the pressure on the chairman and the chairman kind of went, "Mm, I don't know if the fans want this, but... Kind yeah, of, and I, and I yeah. think, if I'm honest, I think that conversation may have happened, yeah. you know, between the chairman and, and Aid, that, that there was a lot of fans that were unhappy yeah. with how the, the the end of the season had gone off from January till May. Yeah. And uh, the chairman, I think, deep down wanted to give Aid an opportunity because he'd been at the club before. He did say that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I thought he wanted to do it, but he also knew that there was a lot of fans that weren't happy with how the season finished and he was sort of stuck. He didn't really know what to do. So he sort of gave Aid the job but I don't think personally gave him the tools to be able to do the job to the best of Aid's ability yeah 
Um, yeah, let's. Yeah, like so. Yeah, you you two, um, you and AD got the got got the got the job then. Yeah. Uh, have preseason. Um, come to the opening day. Um, you got a a good result at Doncaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, going into the season, what was the expectation? I mean, we we mentioned the squad there that. We, we we had a good squad. You you'd done well on on the budget that you were given. You you, you brought in, you brought in uh, obviously obviously good players. Um, I think um, at the time, Tom Tom did Tommy pick up an injury or was he? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if he started the season. He might have played the first one and got injured, and yeah. Daki got injured. I think as well. Daki did, um, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure if Max Max might have or, or Max I'm not sure if Max did or not. But we had a couple of injuries, and like I say, we went to Doncaster and, and we'd done fairly well. And you know, we knew he wasn't a top team that was going to get in the playoffs, but we thought you know we'll be around the mid table. And then yeah. if we can get that season where we just get a bit of stability, and then the following season we can build on that. So if we can finish around mid table, we'll be happy with that with the squad that we had. Yeah, and then. You know, providing we've done that, then we could, you know, the year after maybe get a better budget and people may go, yeah, do you know what, they deserve a better budget, then we'll give them a bit more money to, to spend. Yeah, I mean, yeah, finally Tom Eves did arrive on the Gillingham scene when he grabbed a hat-trick against Southend. Um, yeah. Bit of a mental game, but yeah, let's let's speak about Tom. Because, um, yeah, obviously you spent... You spent quite a bit of time with Tom at Jills. Um, yeah. yeah, did could you uh, what, when yeah you were the guys to bring him to the football club? Um, yeah, could you ever see um, the the career that Tom was going to go and have at Gillingham and uh, and obviously go on to Hull? Yeah, I think when Tom first came in, he's probably low on confidence a little bit from yeah. the season before. Yeah, uh, he, he was a good size. He fitted what Aid wanted as a number. Number nine, mm-hmm. um, he could hold the ball up. I think as the season went on, he got more and more confident, and he started to score a couple of goals. Yeah. And then he grew into sort of the player that you know he went on to to move to to Hull. So you know when he first came in, I think he was still a little bit raw. And Aid worked with him, and Steve worked with him as well. And we all put a bit of time and effort into trying to help him out because we knew that he was going to be a key figure in how we how we played so yeah. we need to make sure that he was confident that he was happy being at the club and like I say once he got a couple of goals and I think he he enjoyed being at Gillingham and he and you know the confidence of scoring obviously you know made him a better player yeah I mean yeah then uh, then we kind of went to yeah we skipped south and we went to Oxford um, I mean I was there at Oxford that day um, and of course, it was not not the result that we wanted. But we kind of noticed. I, I certainly noticed from kind of a fan's point of view that um, that yeah, it was just starting to turn a little bit toxic. Um, yeah. Into yeah. and I'm pretty sure you probably noticed that as well. Um, the the co- the comments went towards the players. Um, they went towards the chairman. Um, as soon as you can't, you and AD walked over, it kind of went towards you. Um, yeah, d- d- could you kind of see at that uh, that kind of after that was a game that mm, yeah something might not be quite right here. Yeah, um, um, that game always stick out. I remember. Um, I think it was three 0 I think we lost. It was yeah. And I remember. 
during the game, Aid sort of standing by the pitch. And I normally just let Aid stand by the pitch on his own. Yeah. Because obviously he's the manager, you don't need me there to... But that was the one time I felt that he needed someone to stand with him because he was getting a lot of abuse. Yeah. And, I me- and I remember him saying something to me on, on the on the sideline, you know, about what was being said and, um, you know, everyone getting abuse. And, and after the after the game, we was, you know, he, he was very disappointed because obviously, like I say, he loves the club and, you know, supporters have a right to say what they want and... Um, yeah. Results obviously affect that, but he he was he was gutted, and yeah. I remember sitting on the coach, and I think we thought mm, we could be getting sacked here now because of what happened today. Really, and um, I, I remember the chairman calling Aid and said, "Oh look, don't worry about today. You know, uh, get yourself back at home and get yourself ready to go again Monday." And I thought, "Oh, do you know what? Fair play. It's a, you know, it's a bit of a bit." But Aid needed that boost at the time because, yeah. like you say, it was toxic and it was aimed at Aid and yeah. you know, um, being next to him and hearing them comments as well is is obviously not nice for anyone. So I, felt, I did feel that was the first time I felt really sorry for Aid yeah. um, at a game. Do you, you think it was? Do you think it was fair, Jamie? I think. Um, I'm not. I don't remember. I'm not sure if Tom got sent off in the game or he was just really bad. I can't remember. But I think it's one of them. I think once once supporters have have made their mind up yeah. on what they how they want it to go, yeah. I, I think it's very hard to change a supporters' opinion. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. if someone's liked at a club, they're normally generally always liked. But you know, as as a manager, I think if you're managing and people are not getting the results that that's needed yeah. then regardless of whether you're a club legend or you played 500 games for them yeah. then yeah. people are going to turn and at that time you know supporters felt probably right we want we want a manager that's got experience yeah. that knows League One we don't want to give AD and Jamie a chance they've had six months and it didn't quite go to plan and yeah. and, and, they, and they vented their anger that way and um, you know like I say everyone's entitled to, to their opinion you know I, I don't think at that time, Aid was given enough support. Yeah, but it's right me saying that you know, no. yeah. fans are paying money and they're travelling to Oxford and travelling to Bradford and Sheffield, and they want results. Yeah, so they don't factor everything else into it. They just want to win, and you know, I can see fans getting frustrated and obviously do what they do. Yeah, because I mean, I'm pretty sure we then played AFC Wimbledon on a Tuesday night. Um, I went to Wimbledon. Um, yeah, it weren't really probably the nicest place because um, obviously the way that ground's set up, the fans are right behind that right dugout. Behind yeah. Um, <laughs> you, pro- you probably were walking across going, here we go. <laughs> yeah, we're um, waiting for it. In, it. As, you know, as management, as coaches and same as players, at some stage you're going to get abuse and you're yeah. going to get sick. Yeah. And we knew after that game it could go either way. Yeah. You know, we walked over there and yeah. in fairness to some supporters, they were very good with aid as well and I think we won that. I think Lee Martin got sent off. And uh, it was 1-0. 1-0. Sean, uh, Sean Clare yeah. scored. Yeah. Yeah, and they showed a bit of character. I think it was one down and, and yeah. then we come back 1-0 and, and then, you know, we was pleased with the reaction and, and response that we got but obviously yeah. walking over and was thinking, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, yeah, because we returned to Priestfield the week after against Charlton and, it kind of stands out in my mind this Charlton game of 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 your reign was that there was a lot of a lot of rumor before yeah. before that game that yeah. Nobby Solano was was gonna kind of come in and and take it, which was very very weird. 
Um, of course, we ended up winning the game through Tom Eaves, um, and we got the three points. Yeah, did, yeah, that was weird speculation, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a very weird day because um, I think I spoke to Aidan on a Friday, yeah. and I might have even seen it on the news or something. And it said Nobby Salian's been offered the Gillingham job, and uh, and we come into the the game on the Saturday mm-hmm. for Cholton, and we didn't know if we was in charge or not. Really? And I remember I. We were sitting in the management room downstairs, and I was looking at Aid. Wow. Aid was looking at me. I was looking at Steve, and we're like, "Well, are we in charge or not? What's going on?" And Aid was like, "Look, I'm going to pull the chairman." He went and see the chairman. And said, "Look, what's going on?" He said, "No, no, no, nothing. Nobby's not got got the job, you know." And and then we come back down, and it was still very weird atmosphere. It was, you know, we was then sort of not told, but the whispers were, if you lose, you're getting sacked and Nobby's taking over. So we just... Did you ever... Did Was that ever true? Was that a thing then? Did you ever see him in and, in and around it, there? I, I, never, I never see... I never personally see Nobby Salah. I see Teddy showing him there a couple of times, but I think he was friends with the chairman. On, I, don't, I don't know. But, yeah. but And Dennis Wise was there a few times. But yeah, yeah. I remember definitely going to that Charlton game and not knowing if we was in charge wow. in charge if we lost was we getting sacked or if we lost we was getting sacked so we just we looked at it and said look all we can do is just do our job pick the team go out there let's try and win and then put the onus on someone else to make a decision and wow. we we come out we beat and we come back in and we still didn't know what the situation was we come back in and I remember the chairman walked past the management room and put his head and said well done and went and then we was just sitting there it was like well what's what's happening then do we still have a job have we not got a job what's going on and nothing got said wow and then we just we just left and went home but that was i think that was the environment that it turned into is that we were going into every game not knowing now not knowing if if we lost if we were sacked or even if we won we were sacked we just it was it literally become game by game wow Wow, that is that is unbelievable. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you went on to, you went on to, to, uh, yeah, you, the last game um, of of yours and Aidy's reign. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you've listened to it, Jamie. Um, have you listened to Aidy's podcast um, for the Kent Online? No, I haven't. Um, so basically, he he says about this Rochdale game that um, he. He basically goes in into his office before the Rochdale game. Yeah. Um. Kind of goes home. Goes home in the week before the Rochdale game. Kind of clears his office. Yeah. Clears the whole lot. Goes home to his wife, and says, "I'm done. I'm finished." Um. And and then yeah, basically the Rochdale game happens, and and the chairman obviously gives him the call that he he's no longer required. You're gonna have yeah. to come and clear, clear your desk, and yeah. and Aidy went, "I've done it." And uh, I've done it already. Um, the the office is the office is clean. They, they, there's the keys to, to the car. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 true. I think Aid had got to a stage where, and I could I could see it because yeah. being a number two is not so much pressure as no. being a manager, obviously, because you're number one. And yeah. you know, Aid, you know, we we're, we're very good friends. We you know, I still see him now, and we talk regularly. And at that time, it had really affected him personally you know yeah. with how it would the atmosphere changed and it had got a little bit toxic towards him and I think there'd been stuff said about his family and I think he just got to the point where he just couldn't he'd had enough yeah you know he was he was in every day of the week he he never 
as far as I remember at Chillingham, he never had a day off. Wow. You know, Wednesdays, Wednesday was day off for everyone or whatever day we picked it was going to be. He was still in. And it just got to the stage where maybe looking back, he should have had some time away from the club, a couple of days off here Yeah, and that's there. what I mean. Do you think kind of he overworked himself to a point that constantly everything was running through his mind in terms of, oh, shall I do this or shall I do that or shall yeah, I do it this I, way or this way? Yeah, knowing aid as I do is aid will look at it that if he wasn't in, he wasn't given 100% to the job and he wasn't given his all and he wasn't working 24 hours for the club. Yeah. Looking back, you know, and I've said to him, so he's not, I'm not speaking that to her, and I, you know, I said to him, have, have Monday off. I'll take Monday. You need to spend some time at home just recharge your batteries just come away from it for a bit but yeah. I think because of results as well it's harder when you're losing to to stay away yeah. and go no I'm going to I'll take today off and like I say I think he just got to a stage where he cleaned he cleaned the, I remember he cleaned the manager's room out everything was gone Yeah, we went to Rochdale you know we, we played poorly and, and uh, was 3 nil. did you know and we just knew you know yeah. on the way home we, because of what had happened the week before in the Charlton game, and that we just knew that once there was one bad performance yeah. that we lost, or it was going to be, you know, like a result like that, we knew we was gone. So it was on the way home. We were just expecting it, and like I say, Aid got the call, and he'd all, he'd already cleaned his his mm-hmm. management room out. He'd handed the keys over to to chairman, and he was done. Yeah. You know, so I think he he had made his mind up regardless, and I think, you know. If we'd have won, he probably might have thought about staying on yeah. just because we'd won. But I think he knew deep down that our time there was up because of the situation that was in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How do you kind of summarise that 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 period at Gilles? Because yeah, it was it was of course a job in the football league. It was it yeah. was a, it was a big club. You you were doing it with your best kind of your best friend. Um, yeah, I kind of yeah, and you mentioned the big, the kind of the big characters that you work with, and 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 the players that kind of just weren't weren't your type of of player, yeah. and weren't your type of character. Was it? Do you see it as a very a very frustrating time within your managerial managerial career? Yeah, I look back at it, and I think that you know when when the job opening was there, Aid said, look, you know, if we do well, this could lead to other things in football. You know, if you if you have a good season at Gillingham, who knows where it can take you. I mean, I was getting less money at Gillingham than I was on at Welling. But for me, it was an opportunity wow. to, to be in the league. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I like I say, um, for me, I just, I wanted to work with League One players. I wanted to, to get in the league and, yeah. and um, you know, get into it and, like I say, yeah, I think I think some of the players at that time when we first arrived were were getting a little bit older and maybe just coming to the end of their time. They'd had a manager in Justin that obviously believed in them and they'd probably maybe gave a little bit more for Justin. They Do you think that's right. what it was? They were loyal to, to, <laughs> to, Justin, to Justin? Yeah, and I have no problem with that. You know, when, when managers leave and players have done well for that manager, they have a loyalty to that manager. Yeah. And they find it difficult to then replicate that for someone else. And obviously yeah. when that manager's trying to make a little bit of change and do something different, if they're already loyalties elsewhere, it's very tough. And yeah, it was frustrating. I, I enjoyed parts of it and there was parts I didn't enjoy of it. Really? Um, but I think one one thing I, I have 
learned from it is that I wouldn't be in a rush to go back to coaching the league. I don't think it's the be all and end all now of really. Uh, just personally for me, yeah. you know, don't get it wrong. If a, if a league job, I would look at it, no problem. But whereas before I would have done anything to take that job, yeah. taking less money, doing this, working 24 hours a day, I would now, because of the experience I've had, maybe take a step back and look at everything before I took yeah. that opportunity again. Yeah. But, you know, I enjoyed, like I say, parts of it. I, I Any support that I ever spoke to, I got on with. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any issue with any of the players. You know, it was a nice club. It was local. We just, we didn't get results that people wanted, and it wasn't for the want of trying or or you know not giving a hundred percent. It just didn't happen at that time. Whether we were good enough or not good enough, I don't know. I just I don't think Ada was given the right tools and the right opportunity to show what he could have done. And you know, I I know he loves that club. He still loves Gillingham now, yep. and that's yep. always on the play. And I think for him, he's disappointed it ended the way it did. Um, because he wanted to be successful and give supporters back, you know, something they deserve. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. Speaking from kind of a fan's point of view, hearing, hearing that story, Jamie, it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that from your point of view, uh, talking about the tools and and the budgets and things like that. That it's interesting that other managers have been given budgets. Um and 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 you look at you look at Steve Evans who is obviously in charge at the moment. Um, it's quite it's quite obviously he speaks a lot in the press that we have one of the lowest budgets in the league. Um, Justin was obviously given a sizable budget. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? That um you kind of went in there and in there and weren't given the tools that summer um, to kind of make the changes that, that you needed to make. Yeah, that's it. And I, and I felt that, you know, there's reasons why I felt that probably, like we said before, I don't think the chairman was 100% sure whether he wanted us to yeah. continue in the summer. And I can see, you know, that as well. I can see supporters were wanted someone else. And I could see the supporters probably wanted, you know, Kenny Jacket or they wanted someone that... That's what it was linked with, wasn't it? Kenny yeah. Jacket, yeah. You know, you know, we'll say we heard Kane Jacket and the budget wasn't big enough for him to take the job. Yeah. And then, you know, so, but yeah, I think that, you know, for us, it was, it was a, a good opportunity and we knew that if we did okay, then, you know, it could lead to a bigger budget at Gillingham or yeah. another club and, you know, football, like I say, it has ups and downs and for us, I think it was, there was a lot of ups and downs in that period. Yeah, I mean, you were then reunited with AD. Um, joining his assistant as Barrow, uh, uh, Barrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how how did that how did that move move come about? Because just before that, I remember reading in the press that you went back to playing for a game. Yeah. So Cray Valley is my local team, yeah. and uh, they said, "Look, we're struggling for some players. Can you come and help us out <laughs> for a couple of months?" So I sort of stayed fairly fit. Yeah. Uh, and went and played, and Aid got offered the Barrow job really straight after Gillingham. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't want to go at that time. It was, you know, obviously Barrow was quite a distance away and I just, I didn't feel it was something I wanted to do straight away after Gillingham. I think I wanted a bit of a break from it. So, yeah. Aid went up to, to Barrow. I went and played for a couple of months and then he rang me, you know, around Christmas time and said, look, just need to keep him up. Do you want to come up for six months and just help me out and, 
you know, see how you feel after the six months, whether you miss your family and, and we can go from there. So I said, yeah, no problem. So I went up and, and um, it's very similar to, to Gillingham, really. It was the last day of the season where we managed to stay up. I remember eight. that, yeah. Was it a yeah. Woking? Yeah, we was playing Chester and right. Woking were playing someone else and we had to match or um, Woking had to win and if we won, it didn't matter. But we lost to Chester at home and Woking lost to someone else. So Woking went down. So, oh. you know, in a way, it was a little bit similar to them, but Barrow had been in the bottom for all, most of the season and they'd sort of gotten out of it. So it was a bit more sort of... A um, bit more positive. Positive for Rady, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, at the end of that summer, um, I got for the job elsewhere and I think Aid, you yeah. know, got off the job in Brunei or, you know, I think he might have took a break from Barrow. Yeah, I mean, you did, yeah, you did. You you took an interesting role on, didn't you? Um, because in 2018, um, just, just prior to the summer, um, you took the head coach job uh, um, of the Bangladesh national football team. Um, yeah, interesting a very interesting role. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, how did how did it come about, and 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 yeah, why why the choice of moving abroad? Um, I just I had an agent in Australia who just said, look, you know, my company's in charge of finding head coach of Bangladesh. Yeah, are you interested? I said, yeah, you know, I'll be interested. It's an international job. It's um, you know, it's not every day, regardless of where they are in the FIFA ranking, or it's not every day that you get to manage an international team. He said, well. Look, they're in London. Would you go and have a chat with them and just tell them a bit about yourself and they'll tell you a bit about Bangladesh football? Yep. So we had a meeting in London. You know, they sort of said to me that at that stage, Bangladesh football was sort of taking a dive downwards and they were sort of struggling. They wanted someone to come in and who was younger that could just rebuild and just basically start football going again, get them back up to a reasonable FIFA ranking level and try and qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. So Sankey appealed to me, you know, and I'd always wanted to work abroad. I checked to my family and they obviously they was great and said, look, it's a, it's a, if you don't take it, I think you're going to regret it. Yeah. You know, it's going to be tough being away from the family, but do it for a year and then we'll assess it at the end of the year. So yeah. I took it and then within a couple of weeks, you know, I went over and the first competition was, you know, Olympic Games, which was an amazing experience. And then we went on to, you know, playing the World Cup qualifiers and, you know, other championships throughout the year. Yeah, I bet that was that was awesome playing in a World Cup qualifier, wasn't it? Yeah, we we like I say, I mean the Olympics was very good to be involved in that, and then we we um, we had to play Laos in the qualifiers to uh, get into the to the group stage. So we managed to 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 beat Laos, which was the target, and to qualify. And then we, you know, just finished the first half of the group stage. We've got Qatar. Yeah, Oman, India, and Afghanistan in our group. Um, so you know, to play against them teams that are all you know far higher ranked than we are, and obviously Qatar hosting the World Cup. Yeah, you know, it's been fantastic. So yeah, it's been a it's been a really good experience. I've in, enjoyed working there, and you know, we're just sort of talking now to possibly extend it, you know, a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, what's the what's the kind of ambitions for 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 yourself and and Bangladesh then? Yeah, I think for Bangladesh, obviously, we want to try and finish the group stage on a high. If we can get a couple of points from the four games, you know, um, like I say, Qatar and Oman are both ranked in 
top 70 in the world and India 100 and we're sort of 180 or so yeah. you know if we can get if we could get one win that would be an amazing achievement and then you know we want to try and get out the FIFA rankings if possible um, and we have a SAF championship which is a bit like European championships in Asia so you know we we just missed out on the semis last year so if we can get into the semi-final you know that would be you know really good and something that you know want to work towards and, and try and achieve that well there we go um, Jamie, that's been absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, thanks for having me. I mean, yeah, you, obviously you've spoken about your playing career there, um, went on to your managerial career, highly successful at Welling, um, really does kind of deserved the, the role that you got at Jules with, with AD. Um, I mean, yeah, it was a shame that it didn't, it, it didn't work, but um, of course... Yeah, you you've dived into why why it might have gone wrong um, during the period, and it's it's fantastic to see to see both you and Ad being highly successful abroad now. Um, is there any plans potentially uh, of coming back to England and and coaching and, and managing? Yeah, I think I'd like to come back to club football. I yeah. like international football, but I think club football you are you're every day training with the players, and you know you don't get that you know, being an international manager. So, yeah. yeah, I'd like to do that. I think the one, obviously, small problem in the UK is that there's, you know, lots of managers and coaches that go for the jobs that come up and it's very difficult to, you know, get that job at whether it's league level or conference level because the amount of people going for it. And, yeah. um, you know, like I said, I've enjoyed working abroad. There's, there's some countries in Asia that, you know, I'll possibly look at maybe coaching as well. But yeah. obviously my family's in the UK, Um you know, so for me, if I could get a UK club further down the line, then obviously that would be something that would, you know, be interest to me and something I'd look to try and do a little bit further, you know, in the future. There we go. Jules fans, thank you for listening. Um, this is one of number of podcasts that we've got coming up. Um, some some big names that, that we're about to announce. Um, thank you ever so much to Jamie for his time. Um, keep listening. Keep Keep liking, keep commenting, keep subscribing on our channel um, and keep supporting, keep supporting us.